You all right, Jax? It's always funny when one of the SAS kids gets the giggles because they sit right in front of me and cannot, hi cannot hide it. <laughs> you all right, bud? All right. Well, this teaching um, comes uh, basically two weeks before Pentecost, right? So we're, um, we're moving towards that appointed time, Sunday the 16th. And um, the Lord's bringing understanding regarding agape love. And um, that's because Pentecost in experiencing it together, one of the things that the Bible teaches is that we are to be in one accord on that date because we're going to pray for empowerment from on high to be a faithful witness and that um, this year in particular that prayer is going to be for agape love which to me is is very exciting <laughs> definitely a, a little bit more um, encouraging than last year was Thank you. That's two weeks in a row. <laughs> the um, the focus last year was to be a faithful witness in the midst of suffering, and that was a little less exciting to me than the invitation to walk in agape love. So um, I think the reason I'm excited is is because the. Um, what the what the Holy Spirit was teaching me heading into the spring holy days regarding walking in the divine nature really what I'm understanding is uh, I was born to love this way and or more maybe more specifically born again to love this way that Yes, we will, as we are diligent to add virtuous living and self-control and perseverance and knowledge and godliness and brotherly kindness, um, the truest expression of the nature of God is to walk in agape love. And it's, and it's to me, I think I'm, I'm most excited about it because it's like the touch point like all of those other things are critically important to being a faithful witness, but agape love is the touch point. It's the, it's the tip of the spear for God's purposes in the earth. So to, to even anticipate asking to be empowered from on high by the spirit to walk in that expression of real agape love or to you know, to, to answer Jesus' invitation to love like he loved, specifically and literally love like he loved, to me, I'm very, very excited about that. So, so um, I hope that today in, in, in the, um, you know, next two weeks that, that, that the Spirit will unite us and that it will be a, um, in a collective anticipation 
for that empowerment because that's a wonderful thing uh, that I'm anticipating what God could do with a congregation that will walk in that kind of love. So um, last week I shared a couple of things that can be a little bit jarring when you hear it first. And when I went back and re-listened to the message, I, um, I definitely found it kind of jarring. And, um, and that's to say that unconditional love is not the primary expression of agape, not the, not the primary expression even of God's love. And, and um, I want to just clarify super specifically uh, what I meant, what I mean when I say that. Um, and it's, and it's, it starts with the truth um, to say God's love for us is unconditional is I, I think it's kind of to say that um, what's the best way to say this maybe I should just stick with what I wrote Okay, um, saying that God's love is unconditional often leads us to think that God's love is not affected by our sin. All right? But when the text says that God hates those who work iniquity, um, those two things cannot coexist. Clearly, God is affected by our sin. So, so I think it's more accurate and more biblical regarding God's love to say that God's love is not deterred by our sin. All right? So, um, so to say that unconditional love or God's love is unconditional and is not affected by our sin, that is an incorrect statement. God's love is not affected by our sin um, leads to all kinds of excuses. It, 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 the flesh will use that thought to essentially say, well, God loves me no matter what. I can do whatever I want. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of Christians live. So it's, it, it's, it's a lot more biblical, and it's, and it's basically it's truth to say that God's love is not deterred by our sin. And it actually helps us to... Um, to better respond to his love with repentance and uh, and um, response to the gospel, because his love, the you know John three sixteen is one of the one of the classic verses about God's love. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. Well, um, if he was not affected by our our sin, that would not be necessary. His love was not deterred by our sin, so he sent his son to die anyways because his love for us is so beautiful and powerful and perfect. So, um, so to recognize agape love, and, and all of this is to, is to just clarify what we're going to be asking for. Clarify the, um, 
and be in one accord about specifically the type of love that we are going to be asking the Spirit to empower us to walk in. It's this agape love and and the, the foundation or the fundamental truth about agape love is not specifically that it's unconditional. It's specifically that it is undeterred by conditions. Everyone kind of with me on that difference? Recognizing that difference helps us to then really take hold of the actual definition. So the actual definition of agape love uh, that I wrote down is that it's a love that is an act of will. It is based upon intention, not emotion. It is primary, its primary expression is self-sacrifice, and it is specific to the purposes of God. All right, so I wrote all those up here, and, and each one um, kind of helps us recognize how this love is unique, how this love is divine in its source and in its nature, and specifically what this love is intended to accomplish. All right, so agape love starts with the Father's purposes. This is the source of it. It comes from the Father's purposes. It is very specifically an act of will or an act of, in, of intention versus a response to emotion. It is selfless in nature it is undeterred by conditions the expression of this love will be these seeds of agape i'll talk about that in just a moment and its purpose is for harvest so so to recognize agape love as an outflow of the father's purposes and an act of will helps us to Constantly be reminded of the why. All right. One of the issues in the church right now is because it's often preached. All we got to do is go love. And, um, and unfortunately, what that, what that often leads to is, a, um, is an untargeted, undisciplined uh, body of Christ. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it just ends to... Um, trying to not offend people or just be nice and to love like Jesus loved is the is the specific thing that we're being invited to do that's that that is agape love and agape love is very much the outflow of purpose so if you don't know the purpose you can't have the will if you if you don't have the will then Giving of this kind of love, especially because it's selfless in, in nature and selfless in nature and often comes with a cost, it's very difficult to walk out. Most people, especially when they're asked to do something that comes with a cost and costs you or costs me something, most people need a strong why in order to do that. And, and so to recognize agape love as the outflow of the Father's purposes, that's what ultimately gives us the why. And this year in particular, the why was made specific, hopefully, to all of us through um, Feast of Unleavened Bread and, and the, the focus the Holy Spirit brought to our congregation regarding the honoring of Christ's resurrection as first fruits. First fruits from of what? 
first fruits from amongst the dead, the first to be resurrected, and um, and the the prescription for recognizing that is within the context of harvest, right? So so um, what harvest are we talking about? The harvest of those that belong to God being raised in entering into the age to come. So so that. That is the why. Harvest is the why. Why do we love as Jesus loved? Harvest. Why do we walk in agape love? Harvest. Why as we partake in the divine nature will the, will the tip of the spear of the expression of that nature be love? Harvest. That is the master's business. The collection of the souls of those whom God has chosen is the master's business. Right? I think he's, as we're getting to pray for something specific, an empowerment to walk something specific out, I feel like once again he's giving us just this awesome perspective on the why so that we recognize the reason that the cost is willing to be paid is because this is about harvest. This is about souls and salvation. And God receiving all who he has chosen. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is the harvest that Jesus was the first fruits for. This is the mission of the church. This is the why. Ali, would you read this verse for us? John 15, 15 and 16. Read that last verse one more time, verse 16. So Jesus basically says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I have appointed you, bless you, to bear fruit. And the fruit, the specific fruit that he is talking about here is eternal fruit. So, so part of the understanding of agape love is an understanding of the mission because agape love is an act of will it's an intentional act often selfless in nature completely undeterred by conditions knowing the why is super important what's the why saints 
Harvest. What's the why? Harvest. Not to be nice. Not to make people feel good. Not to get them to come to church. Right? Nothing wrong with any of those things, by the way. God just wants our perspective to be at the level of the master's business. That's what we're being invited into, the master's business. God's purposes in the earth are for all those whom he has chosen to be reconciled unto himself through Christ. Agape love is the tip of the spear for the way in which that happens. We all clear? Okay, so... Um, when I say that agape love is typically about, is specifically about harvest, most people check out. And um, today's, the purpose of today's teaching is to make sure that none of us do that. So I want to specifically talk about why we check out when, we're talk, when we talk about harvest or when we talk about the gospel or when we talk about evangelism. I want to talk about, I want to make sure we are all in one accord that checking out is inappropriate based on what we're being invited to do. And I want to just completely destroy all of the lies associated with this aspect of how we love people that unfortunately freak most of the church out and, and, and scare them into being paralyzed. All right, so, so it's a kind of a fine, specific purpose for today. Um, and it's about evangelism. Because harvest is the purpose and the why. As an outflow of the Father's business. It requires specific acts of intention that are specific in nature, undeterred by conditions where we touch humanity with a seed of some kind that somehow, someway, ultimately leads to harvest. Them being reconciled back to God through Christ. Most people feel completely unqualified to participate in that. Terrified to even go there right so let's let's just read a couple passages i want you to think in your mind what do these passages how do these passages make you feel what is your thought when you read these passages just be honest with yourself be honest right now first one is matthew 28 19 and 20 michael you want to read that Okay, we're, we're being honest about how we feel about these texts. What's the first things that come to mind when you read that, right? That is the Great Commission in which Jesus' disciples are commanded to go out and make disciples. Baptize, 
and teach them to obey. All right, another one, Mark 16, verse 15. Andrew, you got that? Mark, Mark 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How does that verse make you feel? What is your current level of obedience to that instruction? How qualified do you feel to obey that commandment? Last one. Matthew 4, verse 19. Go ahead, Darlene. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Yep, that's it. Okay, so some, some honest evaluation. What are your thoughts on those passages when you read them? Unqualified. Any others? Failing for lack of obedience to them? Yep. Yep. What else? All exactly the, the response that I was expecting. Any, any others that's different? It can't be missed 100%. What was one more? So, so I think, um, and, and this is just my, <clears throat> my, my thoughts on the matter, I think the current model of church, the only model that all of us have grown up in, and the, and the current um, model for the sharing of the gospel within, or, the, or, or the, the current expression of the sharing of the gospel within the current model is what we're basically all conditioned by. And that has pretty much been... Um, a, a reduced, um, simplified, 25-minute, concise explanation of what it takes to be saved, and then an altar call followed by baptism. And I, and I think what that model has um, inadvertently created in all of us is this pressure to basically feel like we have to have our theology perfect, 
we have to have every aspect of the gospel um, uh, memorized and ready to articulate. We got to have um, the right presentation to share. And we got to, um, whenever we evangelize or whenever we are placed in front of someone that God wants us to share the gospel with, we got to cover the whole thing. Start with an introduction and end with a baptism. Like, I think that's just the inadvertent um, understanding of what the church currently thinks share the gospel is. And, and all anyone is going to say, if they read Jesus saying share the gospel to all of creation, is I've never done that. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I can't explain it well enough. I don't have the time. I don't have the courage. I don't have this. I don't have that. Like, I'm just totally unqualified. So Jesus saying, be, become fishers of men. Jesus saying, preach the gospel to every nation. Jesus saying, here's the great commission. Go out and make disciples. I really can't do any of that. So I'm just going to week after week after week, gather around sermons and services and just kind of play church over and over and over. And at the end of the day, the entire point is often totally missed. What is the entire point? Harvest, period. That is the why. That is the, that is the master's business in one word. And so to miss this part of it is a huge deal. And I think what the enemy has done is a masterful job in deceiving the body of Christ in the 21st century to that's what it means to share the gospel. I want to argue that if we, if we look at the text and if we look specifically at Jesus as the ultimate expression of agape love, the ultimate expression of surrender to the master's business, the ultimate expression of I only do what the father is, is doing, and you look at how he interacted with people in all the different ways in which he expressed agape love, it's all over the board with variety, with length of engagement, with level of pressure put on, with level of um, depth of theology included. It's all over the board. And so now let's, let's read a couple of other texts that I really believe are meant to disarm us each from this lie that we are unqualified. Because we got to cover from A to Z perfectly or we're going to screw it up. Okay, so um, someone find for me John chapter 4. Verses 34 through 
What do you take from that passage? What's, Je what's Jesus saying there? Being two what? Two different, or two different tasks. Right? Two different expressions of agape love. Sowing and reaping. What, is, what does he say specifically? You, you're going to sometimes reap what you didn't sow. And you're going to sometimes sow and not reap. Meaning what? So there, there's an expanded understanding of sharing the gospel that God wants us to hear right now. The expanded understanding that, that goes above, you got to cover A to Z in a single 20-minute sermon. And it's got to end with a sinner's prayer, followed by baptism. That entire example, by the way, is literally never walked out a single time in the entire scripture. Ever. Not once. Right? Some, some might argue Peter in Acts chapter 2's sermon is, is sort of that way, but I would argue it's not at all. He doesn't say anything about say this prayer if you want to go to heaven when you die. He shows who Christ was in the scriptures, and it brought so much conviction to his audience that they were cut to their core and asked, what must we do? And he said, now you repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You will receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. But clearly in this text, we see that Jesus says that there are at least two different opportunities and that you're going to do sometimes one and not the other. Everyone hear that loud and clear. What are you going to say, babe? Like, like some people are, are closers. Good. And then sometimes you're the one that's just the opener and then there's going to be all the people in between. Let's, let's, that's exactly right. Someone read Luke 2, verse... I'm sorry, Luke 10, verse 2. Hey, Dark. Sorry, I want to make a comment about that as well. I think, I think what I'm also hearing is that God knows that we, as his children, need both. Yep. Absolutely. Luke 2, 10. 10, 2. I'm <laughs> um, lickstextics. <laughs> Apparently. Is Jesus talking about harvest there? Absolutely. It's, by the way, almost the only thing he ever talks about because he's all about the master's business. Every parable, every interaction with people, every teaching, everything that came out of Jesus' mouth was ultimately about the harvest. So here he's, he's giving a teaching to equip his disciples to share the gospel. And what does he literally ask them to do in this case? Is it share the gospel? Not in this teaching. What's he asking them to do? Pray for, more. Pray for more people to share the gospel. So what is that? That's another contribution to the harvest, to the gospel, that has nothing to do with giving the theological 
understanding of propitiation and atonement so that someone can perfectly understand the cross and respond to it. Because that's what we think evangelism requires. Here Jesus isn't even saying evangelize. He's saying pray for others to evangelize. Pray for others to share the gospel. So that's just another contribution. It's another way to participate in the master's business. It's another way to participate in being fishers of men in your bedroom. Or on your hike in the desert. Last one. Matthew 13. 36 through 43. Someone wants to read that for us. So another time in which Jesus is talking about harvest because it's almost the only thing he ever talks about. And in a, in a small detail in this text, to me, when I read it, it just expanded my perspective one more level up. And that's when he said, at the end of the age, it will be who that does the reaping? The angels. And when I read that, I felt like the... The revelation was that the entire cosmos is subject to God's sovereignty. Everything is subject to God's sovereignty and subject to God's purposes and will be used ultimately for the Father's purposes. So if you think about it, every act of evangelism is going to be carried out carried out according to God's sovereign purposes and he could use absolutely anything to participate in that as evidenced by the truth that even the angels will be involved so we have this in the church we have this tiny tiny little understanding of sharing the gospel that puts all of the weight on us. That puts all of the pressure on us. Because we've seen it done over and over again by a, by a prepared message, by a paid professional. 
And what the scriptures teach is that God's going to use it all. All of it. He's going to use angels. He's going to use creation. He's going to use Judas. He's going to use reapers. He's going to use sowers. So, to, so we just got to get rid of this deception and this nonsense that to become an evangelist or, or, or to evangelize, to share the gospel, to become a fisher of men, if this whole thing is about harvest, we got to get rid of the deception that says, I can't do that. I'm out. Let me know when you're done talking about this stuff because then I'll come back to church. I'm not qualified, never will be. I don't know the Bible well enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a theologian. I've never been to seminary. And all of the other excuses that are based on the deception that this is all up to you and you've got to cover from A to Z in a single sermon and that's the only way to share the gospel and if you can't do that, just keep your mouth shut. Paul was arguably the, the greatest evangelist of all time. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 15. Someone want to find and read that one for us? Actually, I'll just, read, I'll just read a couple verses. This is Paul saying, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Paul's understanding of sharing the gospel is I don't matter at all. It ain't about me. It ain't up to me. I got no pressure on me. All I got to do is obey. Obey what? In that moment that God is calling you to express agape love, however it might look, you just be obedient to do what? And here's the, and here's the, just the, the revelation that I'm getting is just, just look at it like a seed. Just look at it as you're just sowing a seed in that moment. What types of seeds did Jesus sow all over the board? How many people did he sit down and cover atonement theology with from beginning to end? How many did he sit down with and cover the larger redemptive story from beginning to end? It I don't know if it ever happened, but I know for sure it was definitely rare. It was more often just a seed. A seed of what? Truth sometimes. Correction sometimes. Compassion sometimes. Literal food sometimes. So, uh, so my prayer and my hope saints is that this entire teaching is just hugely disarming to all of us hugely disarming and totally will destroy the lie that none of us are equipped
to walk in agape love. I have this vision that what God wants to anoint us and empower us to do is that literally whenever we stand in front of somebody, that we would see them through his eyes. And somehow, someway, he would use us as nothing more than a vessel. And that we would be willing to whatever that moment requires. All of the cosmos is sub, sub, subject to God's plan. Did I, did, I, did I say that? All of it. Every molecule of the entire cosmos is subject to God's sovereign will. He will have whoever he wants, and he will not lose one of them. All of that is up to him, and he's got it covered. He needs us to do one thing, and that is in that moment when we stand across from someone, he just needs us to sow a seed, whatever it might be. Praise God. What a... What a what an encouraging revelation. Because I can do that, man. I feel like I can do that. I feel like especially after we pray to be empowered from, empowered from on high, to walk in that love. Just awesome. What an amazing opportunity. So, the, so the, as, we, as we move into the next time we're together, hopefully sometime next Saturday, um, I want to start speaking specifically about what some of these seeds are going to look like based on the text. And, um, and I feel like the one thing that I'm supposed to share, uh, the last thing I'm supposed to share, and this is the, the verse for meditation for this week and, and just praying into this week is um, Matthew 9, verse 36. And I, I, kept, I kept feeling like... Um, that truly walking in agape love sort of starts with eye contact. This is, this is just going to seem, seem a little bit weird, maybe. But that what God wants to empower us to do is every time we are put in a position to stand across from somebody and, and like literally truly look at them, that God is going to give us specific eyes to see them. And that, and that um, by those specific eyes, um, we will be positioned to be obedient to, sh to sow the seed that he wants sown, whatever it might be. And, and that specifically the, the, the beginning of the, of the seeing of people correctly to truly walk in the divine nature and ultimately sow seeds of agape for the purpose of harvest is we got to see them as Jesus saw them. And how did Jesus see them according to this passage? So, someone got it? Someone just read it out loud so we all got it. What will that help us to do? It will, it will help 
get us out of the evangelism box. It'll help us shirk the evangelism pressure. How and what any individual needs at any given moment when the Father puts us in front of them, we're never going to know that. So if we start with a cookie cutter answer, oh, I got to get this person to church. Probably going to say the wrong thing. Oh, I got to get this person to, to the sinner's prayer. Probably going to say the wrong thing. Oh, I got to get this person to claim Jesus as Lord. Probably going to say, now, is inviting someone to church a bad thing? Of course not. Is getting someone to the point of baptism a bad thing? Absolutely not. But, but evangelism doesn't happen the way we anticipate it will. Sharing the gospel doesn't happen the way that we've been taught very often at all. The mission has to start with love. And Jesus' expression of love towards those he saw was he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. Compassion is ultimately, I think, the first outflow of the Father's purposes. When God gives us true compassion for those that are lost, then we will say yes to an act of intention that might be selfless in nature, that will be undeterred by the condition of that person that is lost, that will cause us to sow a seed that somehow, some way, someone else may water and someone else may do this and someone else may do that. And ultimately, at the end of the day, they're born again. And that is the entire purpose of walking in agape love. Yes, sir. Last week's message and this week's message when we talked about the virtue, the virtue, virtuous life. <laughs> What are you going to say? I could tell you had something to say. No, I just felt like I, um, I got a really cool, different understanding, I think, of a fisher of men. Mm. Um, I always look past that super quick, but I feel like I was reminded, like, most people don't fish because fishing requires patience. Mm. And if these guys already knew what it meant to be a fisher man, God knows the bait for each person. Does that right. make sense? Absolutely. Just like there's different seeds that are planted. So yep. I'm literally thinking about this. Like you can't, you can't take an earthworm to go and catch a sturgeon. Right. You you can't like. So if we don't have the Holy Spirit's knowledge and and submission to what He's showing us, 
I'm going to be throwing an earthworm yep. at the wrong person, right. and I'm not going to catch the right. Which person. is which is all, yeah them, perfect. But it's literally just if, if it's about gathering it, and it's no different as Michael was talking about the seed. I can't just draw a picture of a seed. A corn seed looks different than a, a marigold. Like the Holy Spirit is going to have to determine what seed is being planted. Exactly in right. And so I guess I'm just thinking of the fisherman part, and I understand where. You could get very frustrated, and I mean, you think about catch and release. What if there's some fish that you bring in close to your life for a while, and then God tells you it's time for you to release mm-hmm. them again? I mean, I was just literally just thinking like that fisherman analogy never Perfect. made more sense to me yeah. than it did today. Amen. Praise God. There goes there goes your cookie cutter gospel presentation, because the every fish requires a different type of bait, and only the Holy Spirit knows. Praise God. Well, Father, we just pray that you would take this seed, water it. By your spirit. To bring understanding. To bring sanctification in each of us. To be more fully prepared and equipped to pray for what we're going to pray for in two weeks. And we thank you for the privilege it is to be called. We thank you for the privilege it is to be called friends, to know the master's business, to participate in the master's business is the greatest honor. And we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God regarding sharing the gospel, evangelism, being fishers of men, sowing seeds of agape love for the purpose of harvest. That each of us would be equipped to bear the fruit that we've been appointed to bear. In Jesus' name, amen. Susie, what do you got? Yeah. And then, we gotta, and then we're going to pray for Mia because they got to go.